0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayeromdfw.com. Well, this is uh, our study on the book of Revelation. This is session six, which I entitled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if you guys remember, in our first session, we introduced the fact that this book is actually titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. But we didn't have a chance to go through that very deep uh, in session one because we were doing an introduction to the whole book, all hundred uh, you know, sessions we're going to do. And so we weren't able to go very deep on that. And I wanted to make sure that we got this subject. I want to make sure that we, we know what's being communicated there, uh, what is uh, the Holy Spirit intending with calling uh, this prophecy, this book, the book of Revelation actually calling it not revelation. We've shortened it. We, we, we came up with that term. The book is actually called the revelation of Jesus Christ. We want to get that deep. And so I'm going to harp on that for a good long while here tonight, because I want to make sure that we understand what that means and why that's important. So this detail deserves our full attention. We see that in uh, chapter one, verse one, the title of this whole prophecy, all 22 chapters, is entitled the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Jesus, which God gave him, to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything that he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed is those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Now. What I want to get us thinking about is this statement that is called the revelation of Jesus Christ as a a very important detail for us to take note of because what this statement means is that everything that follows that opening line is part of the revelation of the man Jesus. I want us to get this. I, I, I want to say it a number of times here. Everything that follows the opening line of this here document and all the words that come after is the revelation of Jesus. That means every word, every chapter, every phrase, this is the revelation of Jesus. And when we think of the book of Revelation, we don't think that. When we think of the book of Revelation, we think terrible events, bad things, end times, weird, mysterious, can't be understood. That's false this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what this book is. And it's better to think of revelation as the Jesus book than the end time book, because the title is, this is the Jesus book. Okay. It's a very important detail. And that's, that's a little bit of a shift in our minds. When we think of it as the end time book, we think of it as dismissible, when we think of it as the end time book or, you know, all these weird symbols and stuff, we think of it as something far off that can't be known. But when we think of it the way the title tells us to think of it, 22 chapters unveiling the reality and the man, Jesus Christ. I mean, when we gave our lives to Jesus, weren't we all into knowing who he is? I mean, aren't we big time as believers, followers of Jesus? Aren't we after the revelation of the Savior that we have, of this man, of of our heavenly bridegroom, of the Son of God. Aren't we after the revelation of Jesus? Isn't that what we are all about as believers? This book is called The Way to Get There. This book is entitled The Revelation of That Man, the revelation of the one who dwells inside us by his Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Son of God. That's what this book is. I want to tell you with that statement as as the the founding statement of the book of Revelation, that's the opening line, Revelation 1.1. This book cannot be dismissed. This book is imperative that the church understand. This book fills in the gap that the Gospels leave. The Gospels do not give us the full revelation of Jesus. The book of Revelation gives us the full revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is an interesting thing. When we think about the gospels, we think about Jesus walking around and interacting with people. And we do a little bit kind of uh, sometimes on purpose, but always accidentally. We do a little bit of a case study on Jesus when he's interacting with people. We see what's he say? How's he like? What is he, how does he relate to people? What kind of uh, ways does he carry himself? Because we're trying to figure out who this guy is. We want to know who Jesus is, and we frequently look to the Gospels to tell us who Jesus is, and that's good. That's right, but it's not the complete story. This is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're talking about even in some ways, and I I want to say this in a way that no one's going to wind up bad-tweeting me later. In, In some ways... The, revela- the book of Revelation is a more complete picture of Jesus than the Gospels. It is at least the completion of the Revelation of Jesus, which we were given in the Gospels. But the Gospels were not called the Revelation of Jesus, and this book is. So I just want to, for a moment, like take your mind you know, from where, what you know about the book of Revelation, and for, a, for just a minute pretend that the book of revelation read like the gospels stories of jesus walking around and talking to people and him teaching different things and that kind of thing we would very readily receive that as the revelation of jesus christ i am sorry it's not written that way but the title doesn't change We need to get a new frame of mind when we think about and we read the book of Revelation because it is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. You guys tracking with me? I know I keep saying it over and over, but I I know we don't think this way. I know we think wrongly about this book. And it's because we've not really digested the title. It's because we've not really thought through what is the ramification of the first 10 words of the book of Revelation. What does that mean? It does, it's not just hollow words. It's an introduction. You know, when we read the epistles, we look to see who was it written to. And you, you read, you know, you know, whichever epistle, and it's like, to the church in Ephesus. And so now we know this whole letter that we're about to read was written to the church of Ephesus. We get the context of it. This right here is giving us the context of what 22 chapters of information are It is the revelation of who Jesus is. And we definitely want to make sure that we get that. All right. Let's go on to part two here. Page two, part two. We need the Gospels. We need the book of Revelation. If we want to get the fullness of the understanding of who Jesus is, we need both. Okay. Part two. Details of the revelation of Jesus. So... If this book is all about the unveiling of who Jesus is, what exactly does that mean? This book is his revelation. It's his revelation about himself. It's his revelation of, uh, of what he's thinking, what he wants. It's, it's the way that he describes himself. I mean, this is pretty powerful. When you got Jesus giving commentary on Jesus, that's good. This is Jesus giving us his revelation. Now, there are phrases in the book that help us to interpret what this means, that this is the revelation of Jesus. This is the unveiling of who Jesus is. There are some phrases that help us, and I want to look at a couple of those. First, before we do, letter A here on part two, Revelation's message. Now, remember, if we're calling Revelation the message of Jesus Christ, the, the truth about Jesus Christ, the unveiling of who he is. We already know a little bit about who he is, a lot of it, from the Gospels. But I want to tell you that there are many, many details in Jesus's sermons that he gave in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. Those are the three like big end times uh, chapters in the Gospels. Those are the ones where Jesus preaches about the end times. There are a lot of details where there's overlap with what Jesus already said, preached, lived, taught, and told us to believe. There's a lot of overlap between those and the book of Revelation, why? Because Jesus already knew the revelation of Jesus. Jesus already knew what he was all about. Jesus already had the clarity about who he was, about what was coming, about the purposes of God for the earth and for humanity. He already knew that, so he was leaking classified documents. And in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, he was sharing with us part of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He was sharing with us some of those end time details, and certainly not limited to those three chapters. But he was sharing with us the message of the book of Revelation out of his mouth once already during his earthly ministry. He already gave us a snapshot of what we're about to get 22 chapters to to unpack. He already gave us three chapters in the Gospels of him talking about these themes. What he was doing was, he was giving us a little sneak preview. I gave you the Ephesians 1, 9 verse. I I love this verse. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. He was making known. Jesus is the full representation of God. He is the, the fullness of God's plans and purposes. And God, while he was with us in Jesus... Jesus was making known the Father's good pleasure, making known the Father's purposes. So he told us some of these details in those uh, synoptic gospel accounts that I just gave you. All right, well, now let's go back to Revelation, and let's use some of the phrases that we find in the book of Revelation that can help us to unpack a little bit more what this means that this book, these 22 chapters, they're not the scary chapters. They're the chapters that tell us about our Savior. What are a couple of phrases that help us to interpret that? One, this book isn't just called the revelation of Jesus Christ, it's called the testimony of Jesus Christ. Not only that, it's got bookends saying that same phrase or uh, giving that same uh, concept. Chapter one and chapter 22, there's 22 chapters. Chapter one says this, he who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm about to tell you everything that I saw. What did I see? I saw the word of God, and I saw the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm about to tell you the testimony of the man. Then at the end, Revelation 22, verse 16, Jesus says the same thing. Jesus said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches, I'm the one that sent you the book of Revelation to give you the testimony of myself. I want you to have the testimony of who I am. Now, I just think about this for a second. Once this age is complete and salvation is full, salvation will have reached the, uh, the completeness of, uh, of what it will look like for new people to come to know Jesus on planet Earth, okay? Once that's complete and we're talking about, let's say, 1,000 years after that, or 10,000 years, or 100,000 years after that, Jesus will still be the Savior, but he will actively be the king. He will be doing king stuff every day. He will no longer need to save anybody from their sins and their lostness, because that will already be over, but he will still be doing king stuff. Do you know that the book of Revelation Talk so much about Jesus as the eternal king. So I'll just give you a little bit of perspective here. In 10,000 years, we will be very thankful for Jesus as savior, but it will not be what we're mostly thinking about when we think about Jesus. We will mostly be thinking about him as the king, mostly be thinking about him in our intimate relationship with him as the bride and bridegroom relationship with Jesus. The book of Revelation reveals the future and permanent realities about Jesus more than the gospels. The book of Revelation highlights who Jesus will be forever to us, how we will interact with Jesus, what his title and reality will be, and it tells the story of how he goes and he takes the earth to become the eternal king. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. It tells us eternal details that we will be thinking about for a lot longer time, having a lot more conversations about. Do you know that Jesus is the fact that Jesus is the Savior is the beginning, not the end? That is the start. You don't get to know Him as bridegroom, king, and judge. You don't get to know Him as friend. You don't get to know Him as any of those things until after He has become your Savior. But the Savior reality is the beginning, it's the door into the kingdom. It's not the kingdom. It's the door into a giant, vast kingdom. It's the door. Don't camp out in the doorway. Walk through the doorway. Let him become your savior. Give your life to him. And then go on to get additional revelation about this one that saved you. This is the purpose. The book of Revelation tells us about the man that saved us and tells us a whole lot more details about who he is, about how he thinks, about what he wants, about what he likes, about what he hates. This is a powerful testimony. All right, this book isn't just about the testimony of Jesus as revealed by Jesus. This book also tells us the testimony of those those who hold to the testimony of Jesus. So those in the last days, as the timeline's unfolding real time, The book of Revelation tells us the story of those who walk through the great tribulation and they hold to the testimony of Jesus. That is powerful. During the time of greatest testing, during the time of greatest turmoil and difficulty and pain, we see those that hold to the testimony of this man, Jesus. That helps us to see who he is as well because it's not just him telling us about it. It's us watching humans do it we can relate to humans doing it. So we get to see possibly even ourselves in the book of Revelation, holding to the testimony of Jesus. Here it is. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Who? Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, The blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. These are martyrs in the last days that are bearing testimony to Jesus. They will not let up of the testimony of Jesus Christ. These are those that know their God and they will not buckle. I'll go as far as to say this. These are those that know the revelation of Jesus Christ. They know the book of Revelation because it's the revelation of that man. They've got it rooted deep within them. Are we starting to understand why we would wanna spend perhaps two years going slow through this book that we might get it, that we might be those that can hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ, who bear the testimony of Jesus Christ in the midst of the dark day, that we have been equipped with the revelation of this man, that we could then stand in the evil day. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Beheaded why? Beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus. We want to be those that know his testimony, bear his testimony, and will not let up on bearing that testimony even in the dark day. This prophecy testifies to who Jesus is. You guys know the statement here, Revelation 19.10. Perhaps it seemed mysterious to you. I'll I'll make it very plain. It's not hard. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. There it is. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'll say it backwards. The spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. Let me make this really simple. Prophecy comes from God and is about God. Prophecy comes from the spirit of God and it testifies to the reality of God, namely to Jesus. So when you get a word of prophecy from someone, if it's legitimate, hopefully it causes you to think about Jesus more. Hopefully it causes you to recognize Jesus' leadership more. Hopefully it causes you to recognize aspects of his character, aspects of his love, aspects of him at least as much as it makes you think about the cool word that you just got. The spirit of prophecy, the testimony, this is the testimony of Jesus, is in the spirit of prophecy. So when we hear prophetic words, we are hearing part of the revelation of Jesus. That's what's happening when we, hear a testament, when we hear a prophetic word because prophecy, as we hear it, see here in 2 Peter verse one, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So when prophetic words are given, if they are in fact accurate, they're really from the Lord, They're not just from the Lord, they're revealing aspects of the Lord. We have here a 22 chapter prophecy and this prophecy is a prophecy of Jesus. It's revealing him, it's telling us his heart, it's telling us about what he thinks, it's giving us additional revelation into who he is and it's a prophecy. And we have right here in Revelation chapter 19, 10 that the testimony of Jesus is revealed in the spirit of prophecy is founded, the spirit of prophecy. All right, keep going. Part F, living out this revelation. All right, I love this point. This is the objective. This is the invitation. It's not enough that we have written information about who Jesus is. It's not enough that we give mental assent to go, yep, I get it. This 22 chapters, this is about Jesus. This is important. This is who he is. The objective is that we would be living for this man. The objective is that we would be living for this man's plan. That we would be living, our whole lives would be about this man. If you want to give it just in a nutshell, it's the greatest commandment that we would love the Lord our God with all our hearts, and mind, and strength. The purpose of the book of Revelation is not that we would have information, it's that we would learn to interact with Jesus through that information. Just that, just like it's not enough that you hear the gospel. You gotta get to know the man who gave you the gospel. It's not enough that we hear, for God so loved the world. It's that we would take it and go, I believe that. And now we live different out of the revelation that we understand that God so loved the world that he gave his son. The book of Revelation was given to us that we would live different. The book of Revelation was given that we would live for this man and live for this man's plan. But the only way we can live for this man is to know what revelation components, what, what new pieces of information about him are being revealed, to know from the book of Revelation what new pieces about Jesus are being revealed that I wasn't living for before. What are, the, what are the aspects of this man? What are the aspects of his agenda, of his plan? What are the pieces about him and about his objectives that I wasn't aware of before, but now by studying the book of Revelation, I am aware of that now I can begin to walk in? That's the point. That's what's supposed to be happening. The book of Revelation is a giant invitation to know who he is and then to begin to walk different, to live differently in light of that. We gotta live like it's true. Look at these three verses I gave you here at the top of page four. Revelation 1.1, 1, 1, 1, 1.3, and 22.10. Again, book ends. Here it is again. He, that happens so many times in the book of Revelation. Points being made in chapter one and chapter 22 in order to introduce it, tell you what you're gonna tell you, tell you what you're telling you, and then tell you what you told you. I mean, Jesus has been following this pattern for a long time. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, why? To show his servants what must soon take place. Revelation 1.3, hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Show them what's going to soon take place, because the time is near. Here it is in Revelation 22 again. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Now, I'm giving you three times in the book of Revelation that the information is being given to us, and we're being told this information is going to be lived out in real time on planet Earth. It's not neat, arbitrary information, it's not poetic information about him, it's not just information about who he is, it's also promises about the future. These things are going to happen. And we are invited to know what these things are so that we can be warned in our spirit. Jesus is the one that does it three times to show you what must soon take place because the time is near, because the time is near. Why would those statements be made if they were to be just disregarded? Why are those statements being made? Because we're supposed to pay attention to them. We're supposed to pay so much attention to them. We know not only what they are, we know how to respond to them. And I don't know about you, but back in school, I was not the smartest kid, not the sharpest tool in that, in that bucket. And I mean, look, I can't even talk about it right. I don't even know what I'm saying. I wasn't so smart, okay? The, 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 the problem that I always had in school wasn't just being able to reiterate the information that I heard. It was knowing what to do with the information, applying it, applying the understanding, I mean, that's a very different reality than being able to memorize some verses or having said, I did the revelation study check mark to know the information well enough that we could actually respond enlightened like the, the text was intending that we could actually respond to what's coming. That's The point, the objective of the book of Revelation is to get invited to know who he is, invited to know his plan so intimately that we can actually apply the information as it comes that we could take the warning, we could heed it, what must soon take place, because the time is near, because the time is near. We're supposed to be those who are gaining understanding like the time is near so that we could actually live differently in those days. All right, well now... Since we're talking about the revelation of Jesus, let's talk about how freaked out John is. I like how freaked out John is. I think it's great. John is given this revelation in a powerful encounter. I mean, I don't even know what else to call it. The book of Revelation is John trying to spit out the craziest stuff that he saw, felt, no doubt, smelt, encountered, I mean, John is doing the best that he can. Can you imagine? This is a burdensome responsibility, okay? Put yourself in John's position. You have all this crazy stuff happen. And now, okay, hey, by the way, write it down and don't get anything wrong because uh, you know, this is gonna be like the most important book ever. Okay, so ready, John, go. John with fear and trembling. I mean, John is freaked out of his mind, okay? He's having crazy high-level encounters, maybe the highest level encounters any prophet ever has ever. I mean, I can't liken the book of Revelation to anything else, It's just too much. It's everything else times 10 put together. It's all in the blender. So John, understandably, he's freaked out. He has the the encounter of the book of Revelation, and it's unexpected. It's revolutionary in, in the content. I mean, these are a lot of details that he didn't know. He falls down like a dead man when he encounters this Jesus. I get it. The sight of him. Revelation 117. I just imagine G, John's knees like buckling, given out. I mean, just like he can't stand under this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead, as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me. This is when I saw him. When John the Apostle, aged prophet John, put his head on Jesus' chest, John. This is like. John, the beloved, John writes the gospel of John and John calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. This is the way John talks about himself. John probably has a better relationship, a better grid, nobody better to pick on than anybody about who Jesus is and about our relationship to him. John sees Jesus and he dies. He just falls over like a dead guy. He's got nothing left to give. He just sees him. He sees it with his eyeballs and he totally collapses. He's undone. He's like, take me now, I can't handle it. And he's not faking because he's 90. 90 90-year-olds don't fall over unless they got to. Because they're not getting back up anytime soon. Okay? John falls over as a dead man when he sees this man. This makes me wonder if any of us know him at all. Maybe we ought to read a book that's entitled The Way to Get to Know Him. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. How about the sound of his voice? Revelation 1.10 and then one fifteen. I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. I have never heard a voice that sounded like a trumpet. I've never heard that. John, he hears Jesus. He hears him. And he... He hears his voice and it sounds like a trumpet. Oh, but not just that. Verse 115, his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. What does it sound like when a voice is watery? Is, is, is like, a, like a waterfall. What does it sound like? John is undone. John's encounter with Jesus, he's used to hearing Jesus' voice and it sounded like, A Jewish guy. It sounded like his friend. He does not know what to do with the real Jesus voice. He does not know what to do with the real Jesus appearance. He does not know what to do. When the veil is pulled back, the unveiling, the revelation of Jesus, when the veil is pulled back, John does not know how to handle it. He does not know what to do with this man. The glory of his appearance. Look at this verse here. Revelation 1, 12 through 16. When I turned, I saw someone like a son of man. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. You know, you just imagine now the wisdom of God that Jesus wasn't walking around the earth looking like this round one. We we would not know what to do with this man. We'd all be so afraid, like, run away as fast as you can. That guy is the scariest, most glorious, most incredible, most challenging, most desirous, but terrifying man ever. Oh, my goodness. John sees him, bronze, his feet bronze, glowing in a furnace. His face like the sun. What, I, what does it mean? This is not John trying to be poetic. Like, you know, when Moses came down the mountain and he had a little bit of the glory on him and people were like, oh, Moses, you got glory. J- John is not going that times three. John's going, have you ever stared into the sun? Yeah, you know how you got like all kind of blinded for a minute? Jesus' face was like that. Like imagine the sun on a man's shoulders and stare into that, just try. This is what John sees. He's undone. What John is seeing, what Revelation shows us, what Revelation unpacks in a beautiful and powerful way is that Jesus is God. The book of Revelation shows us the leader of the human race in all of his power as king, in all of his majesty as God, in charge. Invincible, untouchable, with a plan. The book of Revelation reveals to us that leader. That's what the book of Revelation is. Jesus as God in charge. Invincible, undefeatable, with power, with a plan. It's not just that, he's, that you can't take him over. He has an exacting plan that he is going to unleash on the planet in order to accomplish his perfect plans in wisdom. He has a perfect strategy, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what this book is about. Understanding the weight of his glory, I'll go rather quickly through this. You could really call this point part E. So we've got here that John falls under the weight of Jesus's presence. He's in his presence. He falls under the weight. Read that already. I fell at his feet as though dead. You know, when you fall as though dead and when you fall in worship, those are different. You fall in worship, you're like doing it in reverence and there's a measure of joy. When you fall dead, it's everything gives out and you just collapse. Okay, imagine a person, they're alive and they're walking. And in zero seconds, I don't mean they slowly keel over, in zero seconds, they're dead. (laughs) They fall over. I mean, nothing catches them. Their arms don't brace for impact. John falls as dead in the weight, in the glory of his presence. The priests, (laughs) priests in the Old Testament at the temple dedication, 2 Chronicles 5, 13 through 14, they did the same thing. They fell under the presence of God. The presence was in there. It wasn't, oh, God is here. Let's bow down in reverence. That's good. There's a a place for that. That's not what's happening. The glory cloud of his presence is so thick. These guys who have responsibilities, and God's the one that told them to do the responsibilities, they can't do the responsibilities because God's there. The weight of God is too thick. They can't get up off the ground. This is what happens in the presence of God. The apostles fell under the weight of his presence on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain by, them, by themselves. There he was transformed before him before them. His face shone like the sun. There it is. They're getting part of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The unveiling his clothes became as white as light. A bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I just want to take a side note here. We've got a few of these glimpses in the gospel, a few of these moments where the veil thins, where we see Jesus as he is, where we see him in fullness. The book of Revelation is a 22 chapter invitation to just camp out there and never let it lift. The book of Revelation is the, tra- the Mount of Transfiguration times 22 chapters. It is the revelation of who he is. The Mount of Transfiguration, that whole th- scenario lasts like six verses. And then it's over. We've got 22 chapters that give us the Mount of Transfiguration, that give us the revelation of that man. The elders in heaven, they fall under the weight of his presence. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God. Do you know that a time is coming where every knee, especially the ones that don't want to, Every knee, every knee will bow under the weight of the presence of Jesus. They will bow. We're told that this is is all glimpses into the revelation of who he is. These are all components of, of what he's like. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. I'm Romans 14 here. Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. These I gave you four of the verses that say the same thing. A time is coming where everyone, you know when that time is? That time has not happened yet. That time is when the revelation won Jesus, the transfiguration Jesus, the bronze feet, the burning eyes, the sun Face Jesus, when he comes back to the planet that way and he says, hi, I'm here to take back my planet, no one will stand before this man. His presence will have such weight that even the lostest of the lost, the God-haters, those that know him, those that don't, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will under his presence and his weight. Now, when you tie all this together, and we're about to break into our groups here. We're just gonna do four groups tonight. When you tie all this together, I want us to see the the realness, it's not a cute statement, it's not a neat thing to talk about. I want us to start to see the weight and the reality of how angels think about Revelation chapters one through 22. Angels see it as heaven's gift to humanity to tell us what Jesus is like. For us to begin to capture that and and really uh, take that in. Okay, so what we're gonna do, if I can have my uh, group leaders uh, go ahead and stand up. So I got Andy, I got Luke, and Jeremy and Caitlin, okay, let's do those four. That's right, four. All right, and then how many are going to be in each group? Seven, okay. So if we can, Luke's over here, Andy's in the back, Caitlin's right here, and Jeremy's going to be over here somewhere. Why don't you guys go ahead and break up, and we're going to spend about 15 minutes talking through this content. This concludes this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.